welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Jamie. And uh, here's a quick thing. So happy spring, everybody. Well, it's finally here. It's finally arrived. The Snyder Cut. It dropped last week, so I set aside some time, a lot of time, and checked it out, and I'm going to give my review. So, Jamie, you haven't seen it yet, right? Nope, and uh, I'm probably going to give it some time before I do, and okay. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually formulating a plan of attack okay. for this movie, because, like, I figure, you know, after the first, all right, like, after the first hour, you know, I'll have a snack, a <laughs> second hour, then I'll have lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Then after the third hour, I'll have another snack, right? right? And then, you know, after, you know, at the end of the movie, when I'm finally glad that it, that this, that this godforsaken thing is over, then, then I'll have some, uh, 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 chicken. Okay. So sounds like a plan. Um, so chicken. So first off, um, before I get to my review, there is a lot to talk about in this. So before I get to it, um, the first of all, the film is divided into six parts with an epilogue in the last half hour with setups for sequels that you know will not happen so far since Warner Brothers has moved in a different direction with the DC movies. So it's just showcasing Zack Snyder's ideas of what the future might be for his franchise if it continues under his direction. Uh, the film was shown with an aspect ratio of 4 by 3 which is what the ratio was on TVs from the 90s. I'm not kidding. Um, there's, this is not a widescreen movie, and you will have uh, black bars on the left and right sides of your screen. So HBO Max has a disclaimer before the film proclaiming that this film is presented in a 4 by 3 format to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder's creative vision. So this is how it was intended to be seen. This was not meant to be widescreen. It probably has to do with IMAX formatting, since that is closer to the aspect ratio for this film and most likely was filmed with IMAX in mind. So I'm aware that this film was meant to be part of a larger story that consists of two more Justice League films uh, that, as it stands now, again, will not be made. So there are some setups here that will have no payoff. They didn't even need to be included, but they put it in anyway. So <clears throat> also, most of those plans will most likely have been altered anyway. So I'm just going by what this film is presenting to us, not what theoretically could come after, which again, as it stands now, there are no plans for a follow-up. So... Right off the bat, yes, this is a very self-indulgent film. Um, but when you're told you can have free reign, I guess that is to be expected. It's like including all deleted scenes in the final cut. Also, per Snyder, there is about four to five minutes of actual new footage that was shot for this. Everything else was all previously filmed. And uh, yes, it was better than Whedon's version, but it would have to be. It's, it's the better film because the original director is at the helm once again in showcasing what was meant to be seen. It does benefit being an extended cut, but there are still things that you can cut out, you know? So that's why we have deleted scenes in movies. Things get taken out to help pacing, the tone, and of course the story. But this version is Snyder laying all his cards on the table because there may not be a continuation of his version after this, which can cause some problems. Um, the plot is the same. Unite the team, resurrect Superman, stop Steppenwolf, retrieve the mother boxes, and save the world. Simple plot for a film that could have been way shorter, but again, that was an option here. The characters have much more to do here, and it's not the mess that Whedon's was. Their roles are much more expanded with more to explore. There was uh, more humanity here, and you can connect to the characters actually a bit more compared to before. Everything is much more cohesive and works better now that it's under a singular vision and the way it was intended for better or worse. So uh, the Whedon cut was really a Cliff Notes version of this uh, with some differences. There will be scenes that will look familiar that Whedon had used for his version, except here they are more complete and fleshed out. 
For the characters, I'm going to give like a breakdown uh, with some story points as well. Starting with Batman, he feels guilt over Superman's death. He wants to live up to his promise to unite the team and stop the looming threat of Darkseid. He and Wonder Woman have uh, partnered up and have a good dynamic. He goes to recruit Aquaman, who could give less of a fuck, and he recruits uh, the Flash, who's more than happy to join, as we saw in the previous cut. Bruce is operating on faith for the first time in his life here. He, along with Wonder Woman, are leading the team, so he truly believes in Superman now. He, he disappears in the final battle when the rest of the team is battling Steppenwolf, but that makes sense because, you know, there really won't be much he can do against him anyway. So he's mostly um, outside Steppenwolf's base battling parademons. There is a moment at the very end of the film where Commissioner Gordon shines the bat signal, and uh, when you next see Batman, he's standing on a huge-ass tank, which of course is a reference to The Dark Knight Returns because that's basically who this Batman is. So they briefly show that he uh, took down some of those mutants from The Dark Knight Returns comic. So it's a nice reference, but at that point I was thinking, okay, this is now Frank Miller's DC Universe, isn't it? Like, in that, in that context, uh, it would make sense. But these heroes should be at the beginning of their journey, not nearing the end. But Ben Affleck had a good performance, though. I really li- I did like him. Despite the material, he's a good Batman. But you can add that uh, compliment to every actor here, because despite the material, their performances were good. Um, as for The Flash... Um, Part of Barry's introduction had him uh, getting low-paying dead-end jobs to help raise money to get his dad out of jail. Uh, During this, there was a scene with Barry saving Iris from a car accident, though they never tell you that's Iris. It was interesting and and a beautiful scene, but that's not how that scene should have went. Like, Barry came off like a little creepy uh, with the long stares at super speed and caressing her hair. He's lucky she digs him too, but yikes, you know, like... And, and it's even worse because you don't know who this girl is, but then I guess the movie expects you to know or do your homework so you can recognize the Easter egg, but that's not how storytelling or Easter eggs in film work. They don't know each other. We're not told that's Iris, and we never see her again. But I guess that also doesn't matter either because when he and Cyborg are digging up Superman, he makes a comment about wanting to hook up with Wonder Woman. So there goes that. So the scene is entirely in slow motion and goes on way too long. It's it's nuts. But I will say that this is very much the only character who is not doom and gloom. He's the comic relief and not in an annoying way. Some people felt he was a little annoying, but I wasn't bothered by him. You know, I thought he did fine. Um, he helps resurrect Superman by providing the charge needed to activate the mother box to bring him back to life. Uh, this ties into his time travel ability as well, which gives the League a second chance to stop Steppenwolf because um, <laughs> Steppenwolf wins in the end <laughs> and unites the mother boxes and destroys earth i'm not kidding so uh this happens because cyborg is going to hack the mother box to separate them but to do that he needs a large amount of energy in order to connect them so barry is able to supply the charge he needs to so he starts running around the area for the buildup. one of the parademons who i guess happens to be the greatest shot in the universe is able to hit barry causing him to wipe out barry can't make it in time and then kaboom it's over so then he rewinds time using the speed force and is able to provide the charge that cyborg needs it's a pretty cool scene though i'll I'll give it to ezra he was good as the flash he was you know admiring the heroes and you know you kind of uh, you know rooted for him as for superman (laughs) so he's not in this much because he's dead for most of it and doesn't really help out until the end as we see in the beginning his death is the catalyst of awakening the mother boxes as the sound of as the sound waves of his death scream are heard by two of the boxes so according to the league they activate because they see superman as a threat and they are scared of him i would be too because he's a big fucking threat to humanity as this film shows uh and and that's another thing it's not just steppenwolf and dark side they're worried about it's superman The film shows you more than once that Superman will potentially be a huge threat in the future. They present Superman as the great savior, but just don't feed him after midnight. So, basically... Uh, 
Otherwise, he'll like he'll multiply and then you know wait. Never mind. Yeah. So uh, when he's resurrected, he initially doesn't remember who he is, uh, but his instincts take over and he attacks the League with extreme prejudice after Cyborg's defense systems accidentally attack him, which is pretty on brand for this Superman. But a part of him remembers Batman when he sees him, though, and he goes to finish the job from the previous film until Lois shows up and uh, he recognizes her and they fly off uh, to the Kent Farm to jog his memory. He reunites with his mom and he tells them that he has to help uh, the other heroes. So he goes back to his ship and suits up in a scene that echoes Man of Steel, along with accompanying narration from Jarrell and Jonathan Kent, telling us how great he is. He puts on the black costume that everybody wanted to see, except there is no reason for it. In the comics, it was used to absorb more sunlight when he came back from the dead in the 90s, but that was a long time ago, and those who don't follow the comics wouldn't know that, and the film doesn't tell you. It's just there. There's no practical use for it. He's already back at full power. He still has it. I have that graphic novel. Yeah, he's he's still he still has it at the end too for no reason. So his reintroduction his reintroduction though is pretty cool. He shows up and stops Steppenwolf from killing Cyborg with his axe by blocking it with his shoulder and just you know and just says not impressed. Then freezes it and shatters it. So like he just comes in at super speed and is like surprise bitch you know. So <laughs> I I, st- I still like uh, I still like. Oh, he re- says it like that too. Like he was like he's like what's up, B? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still uh, I still like his reintroduction in the Whedon version too, um, but I thought that was fine. So his purpose here, however, is to just beat the fuck out of Steppenwolf. That's that's really it. He's not really the one who saves the day in the end. That's mostly Cyborg and the Flash. Superman is just the extra muscle. That's really what his role is in this film. They hype him up to come back and all that, and we need Superman. The team needs Superman. Rah rah. But then he's just in the background fighting Steppenwolf and then helping uh, with the mother boxes. But that's it. If he didn't show up or was too late to save Cyborg the events would have happened the same way with the mother boxes uniting and destroying the planet and Barry would have uh, needed to rewind in time anyway. So there is also still the looming uh, threat of a possible future with Superman turning evil and serving Darkseid mostly because of Lois's death. And for those who know Superman and his uh, depiction in the comics and previous films and TV series, you'd call bullshit on that unless he was being con- unless he was being mind controlled. But that's never explained here. But for this Superman, you'd believe it, no problem. It's very troubling that this dude's psyche is so fragile, constantly on edge. He has one bad day and we're all fucked. Snyder describes Superman's eventual arc as being like he starts off as a berserker in the beginning and then he becomes benevolent by the third Justice League film. Basically, the Superman we all know. I'm like, why not just lead with that? If you're actually, you know, so if he actually does become evil, it has much more emotional impact instead of thinking, no, that tracks. Because Snyder's a moron and good for nothing moron that needs to get beaten with a crowbar i don't know continue so listen obviously this isn't this isn't the definitive version of the character that version exists in the comics and much and a much more faithful version is now on tv with superman and lois thank you god yeah this is just another interpretation that you and i have not agreed with uh, since the beginning but just like affleck despite the material and interpretation henry cavill is a good superman i liked his performance in this and you know what? I, and I'm and not to cut you off, but I've been saying that for I've been saying that for years. All right, I've always said it's look, look, it's not Cavill's fault that Man of Steel sucked. Okay, mm-hmm. he was hired to do a job. He did the job. Okay, he looks the part. He like he pulls it off. All right, he was just direct. He was just mishandled. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, he's fine as Superman. All right. If it was if it was done differently, hell, you know what? I've always said, and this is my personal opinion, right? That like uh Man of Steel had what Superman Returns lacks, right? Mm. And vice versa, right? That's how I've always looked at it, right? 
You can agree with that. You can disagree with it. Your right. call. Right. But like, you know what? Like, if they did, if they did a follow up to like Superman Returns and say, um, Brandon Routh couldn't do it, right? Henry Cavill would have been a great substitute. Yeah. And 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 I would have been totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as the film and the character are done the way that it's supposed to be done. Yeah. But that's just me. Oh, wait. I better not say too much, Tyler, because, you know, a real quick sidebar, you know, God forbid, years ago, right, I had an opinion about Man of Steel and I got chewed out by half of half of the, half of the goddamn planet. Right. But we'll save that for a rainy day. But continue. So as for Wonder Woman, she's more badass here and more prominent. She has a good partnership with Batman as they're the ones who bring the league together initially. So I liked her connection uh, with her mother and the Amazons and their story. But every time you see her in action, besides her theme, there is a cor- there's a chorus of Nordic women singing in the background pretty much every time. I was reminded of Xena whenever that chorus kicked in. But, you know, whatever. Um, her mother uh, is the one who warns her about Steppenwolf's threat. Um, I like her partnership with Batman, and I thought they made a good team. Gal Gadot uh, really makes a good Wonder Woman, as we've seen previously. Um, right. She's like, you know, because of Ares. Right. As for uh, as for Aquaman, uh, his intro scenes uh, look like a Calvin Klein commercial. It's fucking ridiculous. He has abandonment issues and doesn't want to take up his mother's duties in Atlantis or help the League at first and then Steppenwolf attacks and takes one of the mother boxes and then he's on board. It's a quick about face. In the end, he has a similar arc to Cyborg and he goes uh, to reconnect with his human father. Uh, they did tone down his cowboy-like nature from Whedon's version. I like Jason Momoa's, uh, Jason Momoa's performance, though. He was, he was good in this, too. Um, now, Cyborg... He has uh, he has the better arc here and an expanded role compared to the Whedon cut. Um, he hates what he's become, has issues with his dad. And when Wonder Woman comes to recruit him to help uh, save the world, he literally says, fuck the world. <laughs> I'm like, OK, so he's pretty much a far cry from his Teen Titans counterpart. Um, he's very dour throughout most of it. He has a quick about face when his father is threatened. So he joins the team. But in the entire film, he's just very somber because of, you know, now he's like part, mostly machine. And um, he he does later, though, embrace it. Um, he makes peace with his father before his father's death. Um, he and the Flash work together to hack into the United Mother Boxes in the end to save the day. So in the process, he also gets a glimpse of the dark Superman future. Um, Ray Fisher, he was great here. I, I liked what he did. I liked that he had an expanded role and was almost the heart of this film, really. But he, he was good. He really was. As for uh, Martian Man, please, please, please tell me Cyborg says booyah. Oh, no, that's never going to happen. Not, oh, well, not, not you know with this what? version. You know what? Worst movie of all time, then. You know what? Fuck this. I'm not going to even bother. You know what? Screw that. And uh, I think we're done. I'm done here. I'm out. Bye. So uh, Martian Manhunter and Lois. Um, so Martian Manhunter, he had a scene that was not needed. It could have easily been cut and just have him show up at the end because that's basically what he does anyway. He disguises himself as Martha Kent to motivate Lois to get back into being a reporter again, which doesn't go anywhere. It's just to get her out of the house so she can be there when Superman is resurrected. This could have easily just been Martha herself doing that since, you know, they have a more they have a previously established relationship. And, you know, it makes sense when he shows up. You question where the hell have you been? What are you, what are you doing here now? Where, where have you been when all of this was going down? His inclusion was more fan service than anything else. Martha turning into Martian Manhunter just deflates and takes away the emotion of that scene with Lois. When he leaves Lois's apartment and we see his true form uh, before he changes shape again, he says, the world needs you, Lois Lane. So 
To me, that means that more than one character knows about this premonition on some level, and hyping Lois's importance on a subplot that doesn't have any payoff and could have been cut. You know, so the only thing she does in this movie is bring Clark back to his senses after the resurrection. And that's it. It's almost a waste. Lois's journey is part of a bigger story, which uh, there are hints at like a pregnancy test, but it's not really reflected here when while she has better scenes here compared to the Joss Whedon version, she doesn't really do that much. As for Steppenwolf, uh, the redesign of the character looks great. I, I really do like it, but unfortunately, that's about it. He gets a bit more to do here, but there's not much to him. He wants to unite the Mother Boxes and to redeem himself in the eyes of Darkseid, but that's really it. This whole thing is just to redeem himself for Darkseid and head home. That's all. And you're like, okay, well, anything else? You know, there's not much. Now, as for Darkseid, oh, man. All right, so... Wait. I should prepare myself for this because Darkseid's always been like one of my personal favorite villains, especially how he was portrayed in the animated series. Right. So, you know, of course, Michael Ironside, I always is the voice of, of Darkseid. Yeah. You know, now and forever. So uh, I'm just I'm just going to mentally prepare myself for the disappointment. So the design of the character looks cool. He looks threatening, sounds threatening, but. There is a flashback to when Darkseid first showed up um, on Earth that Diana narrates to Bruce showing um, that Earth's heroes, the Amazons, the gods, the Atlanteans, a Green Lantern, and the humans all banded together to fight off Darkseid and his forces and hide the mother boxes. And they dispatched Darkseid pretty quickly. <laughs> he comes off as no threat. His parademons carry him back to his ship seemingly bleeding to death. You do see him fight a bit, but that's in a possible future in another flash forward. There, there are no real, real uh, layers to him. What we're presented with here doesn't really give us much to work with. The most we get is bad guy is bad. He comes off very generic, which is a shame. The Superman animated series, as we just said, uh, did a good job of building him up. You think we get the same thing here in these four hours? You know, like, give us a scene in his throne room. Show us why he's a threat, why he's feared. Show us briefly what life is like in Apocalypse, showing him as a ruler to give us an indication of what could be in store for humanity instead of just wastelands. Let us get to know the villain so that we can have reasons to see him as a legit threat instead of this surface-level shit. You know, like Marvel did with Thanos. So, like, Snyder wants to make this a more adult interpretation, but this is some Saturday morning cartoons villainy here, you know? And that's kind of a shame. Ah, uh, ah, uh, God. Ah, yeah. oh, God, no. Oh, no. Now, uh, Jared Leto's Joker, um, he's a bit better here. Uh, the tattoos are gone, and he's no longer Cholo Joker, so he shows up in another flash forward to a dark possible future as part of Bruce Wayne's nightmare at the end. Um, it's where uh, Superman is evil and is working for Darkseid because of Lois Lane's death and yada yada. So Batman has aligned himself with Cyborg, Deathstroke, The Flash, Mera, and Joker. They just verbally spar back and forth, and then Batman makes a threat that he will, and I quote, fucking kill you. So he promises to do that one day. So, wow. So adult. Um, as for, <laughs> yeah, as for Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg has a cameo at the end with Deathstroke where he reveals Batman's identity to him. So here he looked and sounded like Lex Luthor, actually. So I was like, okay. Australia, I was like, OK, too late, but OK, it's an improvement. So I'll give them that. You technically don't need this scene at all because it's just set up for future events that may not happen and doesn't add anything to the main plot of this film. But cutting it was obviously not an option here. Now, the film, of course, did have a tribute at the end uh, for Zack Snyder's daughter who tragically passed away, which I thought was nice. Um, 
after watching it, I, I will say that the film does not feel like four hours. The pacing actually was pretty good. It takes its time in the beginning. Some parts are done in Snyder's epic slow motion, which is expected. But while it's establishing what's happened after Batman v Superman, it lingers a bit in scenes and stops for some ex- exposition here and there, especially with every character's reintroduction. Almost the first hour and a half is just all set up and nothing really kicks in yet. Again, because he's given free reign, there is no, uh, there's no one to advise Zack where to cut or if a scene goes on too long, and I don't think anyone can tell him shit at this point. And yes, you can see there is passion behind the camera. He poured everything into this. On the other hand, uh, like he, on the other hand, he shoved everything into this, every single idea, every shot. The result is just a beast of a film that's all over the place in parts. And you know, but I'll give it to him; he made it work for the most part. It's it is the lesser of two evils. It is the better film from what came before. Uh, once the movie is finished, I can't say I was invested into what was happening. The only thing that I was really satisfied was my curiosity. There are things to like with the visual action and some of the performances, but that's really it. It helped that it wasn't jumbled like Whedon's alternate and truncated version, but at least the story felt more complete. Narratively, this movie is all over the place. Darkseid didn't feel like a threat. Steppenwolf blindly served him, but we don't delve into that. It's just slow buildup to set pieces with an illusion of depth, but whatever depth there is is just drowned out by uh, by all of those stylistic set pieces. It's very uh, flawed in its execution. So instead of making a movie with a tight story, and a good setup, and a good ending because he sure as hell had more than enough material to do it, he instead just gives us everything he shot. Comparisons have been made to The Lord of the Rings here, but those films have extended editions with material that was shot and completed but wasn't included because it didn't need to be. Peter Jackson knew that while he pretty much adapted everything he wanted from Tolkien's epic, some of it had to go, so he included it later for home release, which this film is also getting. So Zack could have done the same thing. He did it with Watchmen, so why not do it here? It would sell, you know, but I don't think, you know, but I don't know what happened behind the scenes and and how it came to this, but it's moot now anyway. But this probably was the wrong approach here, which brings me to my main problem. Snyder has said that this is a more adult interpretation of these heroes. That's what his version is. And while that is what he intended, it comes off a little childish. Wanting to make these characters seem more adult becomes comical at times. It's not what these characters are. This interpretation ignores the real roots of these characters, which Marvel embraces. You're just taking out the fun and hopeful parts of them and making who they are a colossal burden, and constantly making them seem like gods really alienates them from humanity. This approach is the very antithesis of who these characters are. You want a more faithful adaptation? Check out Justice League and the Justice League Unlimited cartoons, as well as the Justice League New frontier animated film that's how you do it or read uh jla rock of ages since that plot seems to be touched on here the mcu films have adult themes they deal with real issues and characters and have layers to them especially the villains and when you compare the two franchises you see that there was really more you know there was really more style than substance there is a focus on making everything look so epic and intricate and beautiful that it just gets uh in the way of the plot uh there are a lot of interesting things to look at but uh, not much, not much depth, especially for such a simple story. The tone is much uh, lighter here, though, compared to the last two films. Sadly, the fact that all of this seemed rushed so DC could catch up to Marvel and have, you know, their big Avengers blockbuster is very much to, is very much to its detriment. But that part is not Snyder. That that real that part really is not on Snyder. That part is on Warner Brothers. That's their fault. They didn't give this franchise room to breathe and grow. Regardless of the fact that we finally get to see this film, uh, how it was supposed to be seen, and his vision is now fully realized. 
it's sad. Uh, it's sadly a vision that doesn't work for me. It hasn't since Man of Steel. Now, having said all of this, I did like the movie. The tone was better and lighter. The character work was better. There is more to like here. Some great visuals, great action scenes. There is a slightly lighter uh, tone and you can connect with the characters more. Is it better than the last two Avengers movies? No, <laughs> not at all. Those two not films, even close. No, those two films have the better story. And you can't say that this film and the Avengers are two different things because they are the exact same concept, just with different characters and execution. This is just more of the same like the other two Snyder movies, just way longer and much improved, for better or worse. If anything, this feels like a proof of concept uh, that needed a few more passes to flesh everything out and make things more concise and better formed before release. Would I recommend it? Well, this film has divided critics and fans, but has so far gotten more positive feedback. But to me, this is still one of those your mileage may vary type films. For Snyder fans, of course, by all means, blow your load. For others, I'd say see it for yourself, but only if you're interested or curious. If you don't care, you won't be missing much. Now, since Warner Brothers is going a different direction with the DC films, and with this now being a one-off, I will say that while I was entertained, in the end... There is nothing inspiring and hopeful about this. The foreshadowing of things that were to come didn't help. The epilogue kind of screwed it. In the end, you have the hero shot, you know, as well as the main plot is, is complete. But that's really where it should have ended. Instead of setting up a sequel where that we're, you know, as of now, not going to get. But as I said, this is Zach laying all his cards on the table. So if this is well received and there is enough demand, just like before, we may get them. And I think he's still going to take that chance, so why not? But because of that, things felt left uncertain. It just seems like they will always be on the brink of collapse. Everything seems so fragile. There is always the grim future of evil Superman looming and Darkseid invading. There is no hope for a better tomorrow presented here, even with the team united. Everything is built here with on a shaky foundation. Caution, uh, cautious optimism is what the film shows, and I'm sorry, but that's not what these heroes represent. I still don't agree with this interpretation of these heroes because you take away much of the humanity from them. Especially when you elevate them to being like gods, you alienate them from human beings to only present them that way is looking at a fraction of what they are. Look at look at Thor as an example. He's literally a god, except he's not separated from humanity. He's far beyond humans. And yet he's someone you could get a beer with. As I said, I like this movie and while it has its problems. And it's not abysmal and not a bad movie by any means. I felt it could have been done better and has been. I'm glad Zack Snyder was able to present his uh, version as intended, but his vision just doesn't work for me. Objectively, if I were to rate it, I'd give it a six. It's a much better version than what came before, but this was a simple story that we've seen a hundred times over. It's like someone took a plot from a Justice League or Super Friends episode and tried to make it needlessly more mature than it needed to be and without the formula uh, needed to make it work successfully. The MCU did and continues to do it better while not being afraid of some of the goofiness of their comic book roots, balancing the dark and the light, the mature and the fun, just like what the current DC films have begun to do with Birds of Prey, Shazam, and Aquaman. Yes, there is room for different interpretations, but this one doesn't work as well as it should. Oh, but we're not done yet with the Snyder Cut, folks. As with Fury Road and Logan that came before it, there will be a black and white version of this film coming to HBO Max as well, in, uh, titled Justice is Grey, which will feature additional footage of Jared Leto's Joker. No release date announced yet, but be on the lookout for that. So I'm glad 
it's out and people get to enjoy it, but I'm glad it's over and I won't have to hear about this again. Because Snyder fans have been talking about this since 2017 and been pushing it and, and the asshole portion of that fandom, not all of them, just some, have been losing their shit and causing all kinds of problems with their toxic behavior. But Including now, some of our friends. But now their new goals uh, are release the air cut and restore the Snyderverse, so we'll see how that goes. But now that this is all done, we can focus on more important things like Godzilla vs. Kong. Can't wait to see that. Jamie. Well, um, I gotta say, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, well, I'm not really surprised with a lot of like uh, your commentary on this, but, uh, but, um, I, I'm, I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I should see it, but I have a feeling, you know, I'm going to end up watching it regardless. Um, I just need to like plan it. I, I need to I need to watch it on a day where I'm doing absolutely nothing. Right. Right. You know, and and, and of course I gotta like you know pack a lunch or whatever if I'm gonna walk, if I'm gonna sit through four goddamn hours of a movie that does not have to be four goddamn hours. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So so all right. So you know, thank you for preparing me for what I'm in for. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, like, uh, and, and good looks on, on the review and everything. Um, yeah, when I watch it, I'm probably not going to be as, as, as uh, intricate as that, you know, mine is more like, yeah, you know, it was, it was okay. And, uh, you know, stuff happened, but are you surprised that I liked it? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I surprised myself. But, I'm like, I'm not hating this, <laughs> but, 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 but to be fair, mm. we didn't exactly hate the first justice league either no that's true we didn't hate i like in fact i've always said that that was always the the lesser of like the evils of the movies previous uh no that came out prior right yeah you know justice league you know the the whedon movie all right was actually tolerable right yeah yeah and uh it's but i'd say the snyder cut is the lesser of the Snyderverse. i should say well, lesser of the evils. But, but it's like i can only go by i can only go by like what i've seen so far yeah. you know i can't really make any calls until i've seen the the, the snyder marathon right you know you know so until that time you know i'll have to just you know, stick with i mean when it when the whedon movie comes on tv i, I totally avoid it like the plague because like i just i just don't want to watch it right you know <laughs> You know, I've seen it. Uh, that, that's I've seen it once. It's good enough for me. All right, I moved on. But but now I gotta I gotta bite the bullet and I gotta fucking watch this bullshit again. <laughs> God damn it, man! So are we gonna go off the top rope? I gotta get on the top rope first. I mean, uh-huh. after hearing all that <laughs> shit, I mean. You know what? Instead of going off the top rope, I'm just going to sit in the corner. So so this week, we're going to call this <laughs> In This Corner, okay? <laughs> oh, my God! Oh, my God! All right. So Fastlane, uh, the, the last pay-per-view uh, that WWE Network is going to have uh, on its channel before migrating to Peacock, and also the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania was on this past uh, Sunday. And, um, uh, you know, uh, first opinions, pretty decent show. Nothing too, nothing too crazy. Um, uh, in the United States Championship match, uh, Matt Riddle, not just, well, people know him as, well, 
you know how Vince likes to use one word names and stuff. So he's just simply known as Riddle. But no, he's Matt Riddle, the king of bros, right? Uh, oh, God. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, that's hey, it's a bro, right? Um, he was uh, successful in his uh, championship defense against Mustafa Ali. And uh, stuff happened with Retribution. I don't know. I'm kind of done with Retribution, but whatever. Uh, in the opening match, because uh, that match was also on the uh, on the kickoff show. In the opening match of the card, we have the women's tag team champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, uh, defending against the SmackDown women's champion, Sasha Banks, and the number one contender to Sasha Banks' title, Bianca Belair, the EST of WWE. And... Um, Thanks to a bit of a, a dissension among uh, Banks and Bel Air, uh, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax were able to pull off the win and uh, successfully retain their title. Uh, Braun Strowman defeated Elias uh, with Jackson Riker, and Rich, uh, apparently he was supposed to take on Shane McMahon. Um, and I confess, I have no idea why he was supposed, to, uh, why him and him and Shane are feuding. I also don't care, but whatever. Um, for the Intercontinental Championship, Big E successfully defended uh, his championship against the uh, the new the new and improved uh, Apollo Cruz. Um, personally, how that match ended, I don't know. Kind of looked like a botch to me, but uh, I don't know. I think that match was supposed to go on a little longer, but uh, hey, what do I know, right? Um, Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura uh, had a, had a pretty decent match. Uh, I mean, we're talking about two good workers here. And Seth Rollins will be the one to come out with the victory in that match. In a no-holds-bar match between two former friends, Drew McIntyre uh, defeated Sheamus. And also Alexa Bliss. Yes, as in that Alexa Bliss, who's gone all, like, stir-crazy and all this shit because she's possessed the powers of the Fiend or whatever, uh, defeated Randy Orton. And uh, the big talk about that is how uh, how Alexa Bliss pinned Randy Orton. She, like, uh, straddled him and was like sitting on top of him and uh uh orton's wife wasn't really too happy about that um and uh tweeted that like you know she don't fucked up but uh hey i'll let them sort that out uh, whatever um i'm sure you know i'm pretty sure randy orton's uh viper came out to play when that happened i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> um for the universal championship uh with edge as the special outside enforcer yeah, you heard that right. In the main event, uh, Roman Reigns and uh, Daniel Bryan did battle in a in a, in a surprisingly good match. Uh, and <sighs> yawn, Roman Reigns uh, was the winner. Yay, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Not a fan of the guy. Never was. Never will be. Whatever. Whatever. Um, so that's Fastlane, right? Um, and now we're just heading into WrestleMania. Um, the big theme with that is that the WrestleMania is back in business. In fact, I'll have fans at Raymond James Stadium. And once again, it'll be two nights this mm, year. Okay. Um, um, I mean, last year I understood why with all that was going on with the pandemic and stuff. Um, I'm not really big on like two night major events. All right. Um, WrestleMania and Wrestle Kingdom. I mean, the past couple of years, Wrestle Kingdom also did the two-night event thing, but that's just because uh, it wasn't because of the pandemic. That, that's just because, like, they just had a lot of matches, so they decided to split the nights. But um, for something like that, like, you know, 
I, I'm more content with just like one big extravagant night. But hey, um, I do understand that. I think next year they're going back to the one night uh, format. WrestleMania is coming up. In New Japan news, uh, the New Japan Cup wrapped up this week. And uh, but before that, I want to talk about the semifinals. Uh, Shingo Takagi um, was successful against Evil, and uh, he would advance on to the next round against Will Osprey as he took on David Finley. David Finley, in one of the big shockers that probably broke everyone's brackets, uh, defeated Switchblade Jay White clean, fair and square. And uh, man, it just goes to show that you just don't know with New Japan. I just love the unpredictability of it. So David Finley and New J- and Will Osprey and uh, New Japan. I can't talk. I cannot talk. I can't talk. Um, Will Osprey, David Finley in the semifinals. Uh, Will Osprey would come out to be the victor for that. So it would be Will Osprey and Shingo Takagi in a rematch of the 2019 Best of the Super Junior final. This was back when both of them were junior heavyweights, but then since graduated to the heavyweight division, uh, Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi would uh, wrestle in, in, in a fantastic half-hour classic, but it would be Will Ospreay that would be successful against the Dragon and win uh, the New Japan Cup and by way of the victory, he would go on to Sakura Genesis on April 4th, I believe, to take on Kota Ibushi for the World Heavyweight Championship. That being the double gold that Kota Ibushi currently possesses, the Heavyweight Championship belt and the Intercontinental Championship belt. A lot of talk is going around as to what the future of those two titles will be. Will they become one belt and erase the legacy of the Intercontinental title, which I don't really agree with. But more on that another day. Uh, or will, uh, will will Osprey do something with that? Should he become successful? Uh, time will tell. And um, I, I'm looking forward to a Will Osprey kota Ibushi match because I think those two are just going to light it up. And um, hopefully WrestleMania will be also just as interesting. And um, that's me coming off the top rope. Tyler? Thanks, man. So uh, real quick, we'll check out some entertainment news. So for Batwoman, uh, Kate Kane has been recast with, uh, you know, surprisingly, with the part uh, going to Kryptonian uh, Krypton (laughs) alum Wallace Day. Ruby has given her blessing, um, but this also means that she most likely had no intention of coming back. As of now, it's unlikely that they will get rid of Ryan Wilder. Um, It most likely will be that Kate will be giving her blessing and moving on. She might pop up here and there, uh, maybe as in a mentor role. We'll see. Um, The recasting is just weird because. Because that makes me wonder if there were negotiations with Ruby behind the scenes that just fell through. Um, if they, if you know, if they could have just recast her anyway, why not just do that to begin with? But that's, you know, that's uh, that's what's going to happen. So there you go. Um, meanwhile, uh, Keanu Reeves. Um, He's going to be developing a live-action film, an anime series based in his, uh, uh, based on his comic book that he co-created uh, that just came out earlier uh, this month called Berserker. Uh, it's about an immortal warrior named B who is uh, half mortal and half god, and uh, and his uh, eighty thousand year fight through the ages. So. Oh, yeah, Reeves uh, will star in the live-action film, of course, and voice the anime series as, as well as produce. So this will be on Netflix, and there is no release date as of yet. 
And that's our show, everybody. So thanks for sticking around and uh, thanks for listening. Uh, check us out wherever you get your podcast, as well as our quick channel Instagram and Facebook pages. Please subscribe or drop a review, preferably both. And we will see you next week. Will Ospreay is on another level. But will- By lunchtime, I'd pretty much forgotten about the whole thing. <laughs>